Hey, Barstool listeners, you can find every episode of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Surf and Turf Week 13, we got Super Bowl champion Willie Colon. What's going on, Stephen Che? I'm Stephen Che. Uh, we want to take a little bit of a different approach this week. In the past, we we're yeah. long-form interviews, the premium interviews. The, we've had some good interviews. Thank uh, you for we've had uh, some great interviews. Sean Merriman for jumping on with us. Yeah, we, we've got a couple really good ones coming up uh, that we're storing, canning, if you will. Um, this week, we just, we just want to talk, you know, you and I, Yeah. talk about the season. Well, we got Stephen Che. Well, we got we all we need. Even Colin and Brandon, even though they're in the room yeah, with us. Of course, we need these yeah. guys, too. Yeah, those guys. Um, but we want to take a look at the season review and season uh, to come as we have a big, important stretch. This is the meat of the season. we got five games left for all these teams. And let's go division by division. Okay. Overall, let's just start with uh, summarizing where the playoff seedings are at this moment. You want me to do the AFC and you do the NFC? Sure. Shoot. Uh, start off with the AFC as of right now. If the playoffs start today, uh, first round by would go to the first seed Patriots, uh, the second seed Ravens, uh, and then you have the wild card game that would be the sixth seed Steelers and the third seed Texans, uh, Houston Texans to be exact. In the fifth seed, we have the Buffalo Bills who are eight and three currently, and you have the fourth seed, uh, and that's the Chiefs at seven and four. So that's the playoff picture for the AFC. Yeah, in the NFC, we would have the Niners coming off a dominating performance against the Packers on Sunday night. The Saints would be the number two seed. In our wild card games, we have the Vikings traveling to third seeded Green Bay and the Seahawks going to fourth seeded Dallas. So, Willie, let's just kind of go down the line and take a look at who has chances, who they got remaining on the schedule and who you like going throughout the year. And also anything impressive you've seen uh, this season. So in the AFC East, yeah. let's just kind of go alphabetically. Um, the Patriots have been yeah, dominant I mean, as usual. Patriots doing what Patriots do. Uh, they've been playing complimentary football. You talk about Brady coming out and saying, hey, the strong, the strongest part of our team right now is our defense and special teams. If you look at yesterday's game against the Cowboys, Jackie Slater with the, with the, you know, the punt block. I mean, yeah. that doesn't happen. But it always seems to happen to the with the Patriots making that big splash uh, play, and I mentioned complimentary uh, complimentary football because after that block they were able to go ahead and score uh, on that drive uh, going in. So for me, the Pats are always where they need to be. I think right now, I'm really interested interested to see how Baltimore plays, how they finish this out. Because Lamar Jackson's never been in this position, right? He's never been the cream of the crop. He's never been uh, having the whole city of Baltimore on his back looking for a Super Bowl. Now they're looking at Lamar Jackson. They're looking at this defense. They're looking at the whole culture uh, of the Baltimore Ravens. They're putting it all on his back to bring him home. So how does he handle the pressure? Now it's different. You know, now they're, it's about seeding. It's about once you get the game, once you have a place at the table, what do you do with it? Can they be the Baltimore Ravens that we've been able to, uh, to love and like thus far? So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so just looking at the Pats, uh, 10 wins already, but – they haven't sewn up the division yet, and the reason is because the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills have Seven had three. eight and three. three excuse now. me. Uh, they've had one of the easiest schedules in pro football, and their next five weeks are not as easy. They're going to Dallas on Thanksgiving Day, which should be a, a fun rematch of Super Bowl in years past. Oh, yeah. Yep. Uh, they're hosting the Ravens at the Steelers, at the Patriots, at uh, and then home versus the Jets in it's Week tough. 17. It's tough, but let's take a look at the Pats' schedule conversely. They're at the Texans this week versus the Chiefs, at the Bengals, which should be a layup game, home against the Bills, and at Miami, where they've historically had problems. Now, I'm not going to go in here and say that the, the Bills are going to win the division, but what I'm saying is the Patriots have a very interesting four-week stretch right here at at Texans versus Chiefs, at Bengals, and then versus Bills. If they can come out of that 500, they're great, and they have the division. Right. But, you know, if they falter at Houston versus Kansas City, two teams that, you know, certainly can beat them, the Texans historically have proven that they cannot beat them. And the Bills them. technically haven't played anybody. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The Bills, you know, credit to, credit to them. They were three-and-a-half-point favorites yesterday against Denver, a team traveling across the coast that had lost a lot of close games. I actually picked uh, Denver to cover the game. Uh, Buffalo put it to them. I mean, Buffalo two weeks ago ran the hurry-up offense, looked really yep. good doing it. Their defense has been has been shining. Congratulations to Frank Gore for breaking uh, yes. surpassing Barry Sanders' rushing record. Third all-time yeah. on the NFL rushing list. Incredible feat. He just... 
never slows down. He's 36 years old. Yeah, you cheer for guys like that. I think a lot of people around the league look at Frank Gore uh, and have seen him in cleats since the days when he was a hurricane. And then his, uh, you know, his when he landed into the league, not turbulent, he came out pretty good. But you've always watched his career and always uh, been able to say that, I, at least for me, watching him, I was like, man, he's a pretty damn good back. He's always been tough, durable, um, always kind of had that moxie about him that he's kind of that old school back. Give me the ball 30 times. I'm going to make it worth your while. Um, so looking at Frank Gore, man, I'm happy that he was able to get this done. Uh, but he also compliments Josh, uh, Josh Allen. He compliments this defense. And Sean McDormand, uh, Sean McDormand uh, really has these guys playing at a high level. And I'm going to tell you, going into the season, I thought nothing about the Buffalo Bills. I was just like, okay, so what? Right. You know what I mean? I just didn't think about them. We said this yesterday on the Super Sunday Rundown. Um, I can't name five players on the on the Bills. I just can't. I don't know who they are, what they look like. All I know is every Sunday when I look at the score sheet, Another dub goes up for the Bills. So they're doing something right. You play who's on your schedule, and they've done a great job of that so far. They're looking to be on their way to a 10-win season, if not more. Um, and, you know, that would you know come with the playoffs. And we had Sean Merriman on here, and he was talking about, and this, and I, was, I almost jumped out of my seat uh, considering that, you know, he will go down in the books as a charger. But he also has some days uh, when, he, when he was with the Buffalo Bills. He's like, the Buffalo Bills fans are some of the best fans in all of sports. And you know what? They changed the culture and how we look at sports now because I'm always looking for a, a clip of somebody setting themselves on fire and going <laughs> through a table. So uh, it's it's different. It's different up in Orchard Park. Bill's Mafia is certainly a different beast. Um, it's been proclaimed by Jets quarterback Sam Darnold that they can run the table. Mm. They're 4-7 and seven now after a very impressive win against a good Oakland Raiders team. Let's take a look at their schedule. They are at the Bengals versus the Dolphins, at the Ravens versus the Steelers, at the Bills. You can look at that in two different ways. You can say, okay, some of those teams are kind of heating up. You know, obviously the Ravens are very good. The Dolphins are playing what I would call frisky football. Uh, the Steelers are, you know, at the six seed right now. At the Bills is a tough game to finish. That could have a lot of meaning behind it. Willie, can the Jets really run the table? It, it's it's nice to talk about. Um, as you just mentioned, they have Cincinnati next week, right? Yep. Yeah. So they, they, I could see them beating the Bengals. I don't. I don't have a problem with that. Actually, I, I'm pretty sure the Bengals will lay down because they want the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but you talk about Baltimore. You're talking about Pittsburgh. I know a lot of people are like Willie. Choose already. Choose, goddammit, Pittsburgh or the Jets. <laughs> Listen, I played for the Steelers longer. I won a Super Bowl with the Steelers. People will always see me as a Steeler, but I have a lot of love for the Jets. I tell I, my, my, I've told this story. My, when I landed at Hofstra, I they didn't have, they didn't have practice pants to fit me, so they went across the street to the, where the Jets facility was at the time. It was at Hofstra University, and equipment staff threw me a pair of Jets practice pants, oh. and so I threw them on. So I've always kind of have this nostalgic, you know, uh, love for the Jets. I I'm a Jet. I'm a Steeler. I'm a Steeler and a Jet. So I'm always going to be split between it. Um, so I guess I answer that question is when the Steelers play the Jets, where I stay. Uh, but right now, as far as them running the table, I want to see them get healthier. Um, this defense is playing a lot better. They, I didn't know they until yesterday they had the number one run defense in the league. Um, I didn't know that was for real, but that is true. The Jets are kicking ass in run defense. Really? I thought yeah. the Bucs had the number one run defense. Of course you did, Stephen Chase, well, but that's I mean, not they're true. they're a very good run defense. Yeah, but I think the Jets are number one. Colin's looking at me, so it, this is true. Um, Sam Darnold is Sam Darnold's playing a lot better. And like I said this time after time, winning is the ultimate deodorant, right? Now that they're on a three-game winning streak, now people are talking about like, oh, this team, watch out. They're the, you know, they're the, they're the boogeyman in the closet. Right. Well, let's take it easy. Let's take it one game at a time. What happens is what happens. But for me, an 8-8 eight and eight season for the New York Jets, uh, New York Jets is a blessing. Uh, so if they can finish out 8-8 eight and eight or uh, just 500, even whatever, however it uh, lands, um, I'll be happy with that. Yeah, I mean, the sixth seed in the AFC is going to be up for grabs. You're going to look at the Bills as most likely not winning the division, but I think based on their number of wins, just the sheer volume of them, they're going to get that five seed. Yeah. But then you look at the sixth seed, and where do you really see it going? You got Pittsburgh, you got Oakland, you got the Colts, you got the Titans who have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's three in a row. Uh, you got, hot. Man, you got credit Ryan Browns. Tannehill. Yeah. Ryan Tannehill, I thought I left him for dead. I didn't think he could do anything in football. I didn't think much about him. 
But I, I'm watching this guy run. I'm watching him throw it. I'm watching him playing, uh, you know, really leaning on Derrick Henry and that offensive line. And Tennessee, you know, they watch out. If they Towards the end of the season, they're going to be hungry and desperate. They can sneak up on you. Yeah. Uh, let's move on from the AFC East. Let's go the black and blue division, the AFC North. Yes. A division you're very familiar with. Well, where real men are raised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Brandon Newman's uh, Baltimore Ravens pacing. Eight and two. They're playing uh, the Ravens tonight. Uh, you know, they're really setting the way in the AFC and are on pace for that bye. They've got, after this week, they've got versus San Francisco, which could be, at least on paper, the game of the year, mm-hmm. which is also not flexed. It's a one o'clock game. They're going to flex it. They have to flex it, right? It's not flexed. They can't? They can't. Nope. No. One o'clock game, which is just being lost in the shuffle, which is wild. Um, so they're home against San Francisco at the Bills versus the Jets at the Browns versus the Steelers. On paper, seems like a pretty good schedule, but you look at the Jets and the Browns both playing well. The Steelers also kind of in the mix there. So it could be a little bit of a dicey stretch. I, you know, I definitely think that they're going to finish strong, but I don't, I by no means think they're going to win all of these games. They're also at LA tonight, the Rams. Yeah, no, like I talked about it when we first got into this, I, I like. I like where Baltimore is at. For me, I want to see how Lamar Jackson handles the pressure. Um, I want to see how this offensive line continues to be dominant in the run game. I think Mark Ingram has, has been balling his fucking tail off, considering that he when he left the Saints, man, a lot of people was like, man, usually when he, a running back like that leaves a dominant organization like the Saints, they're like, man, this guy must be on the back in his career. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He's going to Baltimore. They're going to run the shit out. Enough, I thought that, yeah. Yeah, so I think he's really, I think he's really changed the narrative about himself. And the uh, Baltimore have been able to run the ball. Uh, Lamar Jackson, him and him and Lamar having that one-two punch. I mean, they they're playing big-time football now. It's all about consistency. What happens when you when you go up again and go go against the Niners team? Right? They answered the bell against the Pats. They answered the bell against the Rams. Um, it was the Rams, right? Uh, Chargers, Rams. Who they beat the hell out of? Oh, the Texans. Excuse me. Yeah, they beat the hell out of the Texans. So now they have the Rams tonight. You know. They just have to be consistent, make the right plays, stay healthy. Because this, you know, I was talking to large, excuse me, before we got on here. Uh, I was saying, you know, this time of year is when you really, a lot of guys are dinged, but a lot of people who were injured in the first start, first half of the season are starting to get healthy. Yep. Uh, and I know when I was in Pittsburgh, man, we, this is, and I try to, this is how why I get frustrated when people talk about football. Your, your starters are already on the wall. You know who your starter is going to be. You know what they look like, but it's the depth. It's your second string, the third string guys. This is where they make their money. This is how they continue to be on the team for next year. Because when your starters are down and your guys are who are second string or third string, this is where they make their money. Because now they're playing more. They have to be productive. Their people, coaches are counting on them. Um, And this is how position coaches are being judged too. Because if if you're a second string guy. And you haven't played the first, I say, eight weeks. Now it's week 10, week 11, week 12, week 13, and you're asked to start and asked to make a, uh, be an impact player, and you have MEs, you look out of shape, you don't look like you even belong on a team, that's a reflection on your position, Coach. Mm-hmm. So this is this is, this is is the league. This is where you uncrack the football and be like, all right, I, I know what these guys look like, but where, where's the meat of it? How, how are these playing? And when your second string, your third string guys are playing at a high level, they look well coached. They 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 need where they they are where they need to be. They're 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 making an impact on the field. That shows you the depth and the character of the team. So this is where you really start seeing how good a team is from your first string to your second string to your third string. When you got second and third string guys really playing like starters, as they all should be. That's why Mike Tomlin, you hear him say all the time, next man up. He really means that. This is the next guy's up opportunity to continue his his journey with on a ball club or 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 real talk have good enough tape for another team that's looking for another quality impact guy to make it a, to make you know make waves somewhere else. So if you're a second string guy right now, third string guy, this is how you make your money right now between week 10 to 16. You got to eat and you got to eat and you got to show up. Yeah, I mean your tape is your resume, so I totally agree there and you see the depth thing with the 49ers last night. Yeah. Ford out their defensive line doesn't miss a beat just because they are so deep uh, and are able to get after the quarterback, which obviously frustrated Aaron Rodgers. I think it was oh, And this is how good teams down. lose. I mean, credit Baltimore hasn't suffered, and to help me out with that, Brandon, they haven't suffered some any big-time injuries. But if, they're, if, they're next, if their next guy up isn't able to kind of 
compete and keep the uh, ship moving, that that hurts them this time of year. You know, so they got to be ready to go, especially the, the guy that's uh, on deck. Yeah. So Willie, being a former Steeler, be honest. Six and five right now. Yeah. They're going with Devlin, Duck Hodges down the stretch. Mason Rudolph benched. They're versus Cleveland at the Cardinals versus the Bills at the Jets, Mm -hmm. at the Ravens. You look at the Cardinals, who are kind of a frisky team. The Browns have gotten hot recently. The Bills have been, you know, pretty strong. The Jets have gotten hot. The Ravens are obviously hot. Of those five games, how many of those do you see them winning? Um... I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. And for me, that's not important because I feel like the Steelers are going to do what the Steelers need to do. What's What's important is the fact that you Juju's been hurt, right? Yep. You talk about Mason Rudolph not being able to play as well as he should have or should be playing. You talk about Marquise Pouncey on suspension. Uh, you talk about a list of other things that can really bottom out a team, and here they are at the sixth seed still in still in the hunt. That's credit to Mike Tomlin in that in that ball club. Really staying yeah. consistent, really jumping over hurdles, really pushing through. This defense has gotten better. Uh, T.J. Watt, Cameron Haywood, uh, Bud Dupree, Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, they're starting to really come together, and they're coming together at the right time. So I'm not worried about who's on the schedule. I'm more worried about this team staying healthy, one. Two, being able to gain momentum because that's what that's how you win playoff games. If you can finish the season strong and then really take it into the playoffs, because most teams crawl over the finish line and some teams barrel through. So the Steelers have to start gaining momentum by winning the games they need to win, making sure they're in a position to get into the playoffs and lock it down, and also take the momentum that they have from winning and really push into the playoffs. And they're going to roll over. They're going to run. They're going to run over one or two teams. So I, I'm not worried about who's on the schedule. I think the credit right now deserves uh, to go to Mike Tom. But valid. They should have lost to the Browns. Um, they should have beat the Bengals by a lot more. Uh, they had no business. I forgot what the game they lost. Uh, but the but where they're at now. You got to put some respect on Mike Thomas' name. With Pittsburgh and Cleveland, we talked about Marquis uh, Pouncey's suspension being reduced from yeah. three to two, and maybe it should be one. You know why it's not one? Why? Next week, we're playing the Browns. Oh, December first. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's. But why. I don't get that. Like, so what? Like, what? What? What does his? What does him playing that game mean? Anything to mean, mean anything? If there's a guy who's going to start something, you don't. But he didn't it. start it. I'm not. Yeah, agreed. But I'm talking about in the December. Well, he first did. Game. You saying Marquise Pouncey is going to start something that game after coming off suspension and they tagging his pockets? He's going to be a goddamn choir boy. I, 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 I listen. I promise you, if you tag a football's uh, football player's pockets, you suspend them. You don't have to worry about him. And you don't have to worry about him, especially when the team's in playoff contention. He knows how much he means to that ball club. He's not going to sit out or do something stupid for this team to bottom out. No, Marquise, and he's a captain. Like he, he was defending his quarterback. A lot of people gave him a slap on the butt and a pat on the shoulder. I was one of those guys. I texted him. I was like, bro, hey, good shit out there. You made me proud. You think he's going to come off suspension and start something with a Browns team that may not even have a place at the table? No, he's way smarter than that. So that's why I'm frustrated by uh, by the whole situation. He was protecting his quarterback. He actually pulled off because he realized he started kicking Miles Garrett in the helmet. So he had some control. It wasn't like he totally lost his shit. And on the flip side of that, you you tagged his pockets. You you suspended him. Let the man play the first game. Uh, let him play December 1st against the Browns. Why? Because it's a division game. So that game means a lot. So they, so for me, it's, it's all bullshit um, and they should, it should be one game, tag his pockets, and let him move on. Speaking of the Browns, five and six, one th- winners of three in a row. They're scheduled to finish at Pittsburgh versus Cincinnati, at the Cardinals versus the Ravens, at the Bengals. They are 2-0 and oh in the division. I don't think they're going to catch Baltimore by any means. No. But at the same time, can they realistically get this sixth spot? They're five and three in, in the conference right now. Good conference record. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a team that they have would, to go to Arizona. Uh, yes, they that have to go to tough. Arizona. That could be tough. Arizona is a frisky team, but at the same time, the Browns have been playing well. David and Joku coming back from injury. Uh, Warren Sharp talked about it before how uh, Baker Mayfield was a much better quarterback in a 12 personnel offense with two tight ends, one running back. Mm-hmm. It should be very interesting uh, to see. Uh, them finish down the stretch I think considering gonna, that they're a hot team right now. Listen, you, you talk about the matchup against Pittsburgh. That's going to be huge. 
Talk about, I did not beat in Baltimore. They played Baltimore, you said, right? Correct. Um, they, they're going to beat the Bengals. The Bengals are going to lay, lay they play down. the Bengals twice. Yeah, I, I see the Bengals laying down twice for that. I don't see the. It, it, I'll be surprised if the Bengals put up a fight, much of a fight. Um, but I actually see the Cardinals beating. Uh, I, I don't think the Browns travel well, um, especially going down to Arizona. Um, and I know the cards are pretty much out of it. They don't have much. They're just trying to finish the season strong. But I know having been that team that's always looking to spoil another team's plans, uh, particularly when it comes to, you know, they need to win out to kind of make the playoff type scenario. Teams get up for that. You're like, shit, if I'm going home, if I got a chance to send OBJ Baker Baker home and send the rest of the dog pound home, people get horny for that. So I don't be surprised if you get some uh, rowdy Cardinal fans right around Christmas time. You know what? I'm going to wrap this gift, put a ball in it. You're not going anywhere. Are the Bengals really going 0-16? They're scheduled to finish home against the Jets, uh, at Cleveland, home against the Pats, at Miami uh, on the 22nd of December. I mean, why not? Christmas gift. Why not? Uh, and take some pride in your O. Cleveland. So you think they're going to take some pride in that zero? You think they're going to finish 0 16? I mean, the Jets, right? They, they can beat the Jets. I mean, the Jets don't. The Jets, if the Jets don't come out and, and play like we know they can play, I mean, the Jets can. They, they, that's why, as a Jets fan, people are frustrated because they can beat a really good team, but then have their heads up their ass and get, you know, a 40, a 40 banger put on them by the Bengals. And we're like, how did that happen? So uh, I think the one game that could happen that they could win is probably just Jets. I heard two weeks ago that Sam Darnold actually went up to Adam Gase and told, and they had a, a real talk about what he's comfortable with and what he's not. Why that didn't happen in August or July or even earlier is beyond me. Because you trust your OC and you and you trust you trust the guy who's supposed to be your quarterback whisperer. I mean, shouldn't shouldn't he know what he is? Good yeah, but and what when he's you're not at and what he likes and what he doesn't like. Yeah, but it's some, but how long have they been working together? This is their first year. Yeah. So, I mean, they don't, both of them don't know. They're going through this together. This I mean, isn't the season a, was already half over by the time. Right. But this, but you have, uh, Sam has, first of all, Sam had fucking mono, you know? So he, you can't tell your, your, your quarterback guy, uh, you can't tell Gase anything when you haven't even been on a field to kind of go through that or to kind of learn. So I think now that Sam is healthy and he's playing a lot better, yeah, he probably, it was time to have that conversation. But I wouldn't be surprised if Sam was like, what position was I in to tell him anything when I have fucking mono and haven't played? All right, let's get into the AFC South. But first, this episode has been brought to you by ExpressVPN. Do you want to be able to watch every single game this season, no matter where you live or what team you root for? This season, there is a proven way to watch every football game live for a fraction of the price of DirecTV Sunday NFL ticket. It's ExpressVPN. Here's how it works. Uh, use ExpressVPN to buy international Game Pass. ExpressVPN lets you spoof your location so you can buy international Game Pass for just $125 and stream all the games. I live in New Jersey, but I root for the Bucks and stream all their games through ExpressVPN at a cheaper price. ExpressVPN comes with apps for computers, mobile and digital media players like Fire TV. Plus, use ExpressVPN every time you go online to keep all your network data encrypted, secure, and safe from hackers. ExpressVPN is the best VPN I've tried and costs less than $5 a month. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Enjoy every game for the remainder of the 2019 NFL season with the world's most trusted VPN, ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free of ExpressVPN at expressvpn.com slash surf. That's expressvpn.com slash surf for three months free with a one-year package. Again, that's expressvpn.com slash surf. Willie, this is how I use, uh, this is how I stream the NFL games at a much cheaper price. It's very good, especially if for whatever, if you're a, if you're a cord cutter and you are in, let's say the New York market and you're typically unable to stream game local games online because you're in the market. So they want you to buy the, t- the TV package, but if you can spoof your location, then you can say, Oh, well I'm actually not in the New York market mm. and stream your local team's games. So jets, giants, whatever you want. Um, but that's just a little hack for all the cord cutters out there. Uh, but either way, use ExpressVPN to watch games at a fraction of the price with NFL Ticket International Game Pass. Um, all right, so let's move on to the AFC South. This is a very interesting division that had a huge game on Thursday where the Texans beat the Colts. The Texans are pacing the way at 7-4 and four based on their previous history. Uh, they haven't been able to beat New England ever, really. 
Uh, so assuming they lose this week, that's going to move them to seven and five. And you've got the Titans and Colts playing each other in a huge game. The winner of that will move to seven and five as well. So we're going to be most likely looking at a tie atop the division after this week. The Texans finish, you know, as we mentioned, the Pats versus the Broncos at Tennessee at Tampa and then at and then hosting the, the Titans. So they're going to play the Titans twice. Titans have won three games in a row. Yeah. They've got Derrick Henry pacing the way he's I think he's 125 or so yards off the NFL rushing lead behind Christian McCaffrey. Uh, they're playing some really good football. The Colts probably could be eight and three if they had a, a reasonably decent kicker. And Vinatieri <laughs> has cost them a few games, including against your Steelers, um, where he just missed a, a field goal that would have made Mike Vanderjack blush. Uh, appreciate it, Adam. So. Where do you see this division shaking out? Uh, it, it's going to be a, it's going to be down to the wire. the The Week Seventeen uh, Titans at Texans game could decide it all. Uh, they played. Yeah, L- listen. I think it's, it comes down to what Deshaun Watson can do. Um, if he if he continues to put on the cape and play well, they stay they stay in that kind of mode that we, we haven't made it yet. You know, because I think sometimes when you start. One thing teams do, they start looking ahead, especially around this time of the year. Like, man, if we beat this team and we beat this team, we'll, we're, we're gravy. We can, we'll be okay. You can't do that. Every team you play, you got to take as you're going to get eliminated, right? You always got to take you always got to take that take on that mindset. I have to win. We have to win. Let the chips fall where they may. But we got to make sure we're on the right side of things uh, come Sunday. Um, and this t- Tennessee team, as you mentioned, what makes them dangerous is their run game. Uh, what makes them what makes them dangerous is that defense is starting to come alive and they're really getting after the quarterback. So uh, this is a time of year where you can't sleep and you can't really look past anybody. But I'm I'm excited to see how this turns out because the fact that Houston has to see Tennessee twice, there's no more secrets the second game. Yeah, it, it, now it, it's all about blood. It's all about pride. It's all about heart. The Titans are gonna have a real reality check the next few weeks. They're, every team they're playing is five hundred is above five hundred. So they got at Tennessee at the Raiders versus the Texans versus the Saints and then at the Texans. The Saints potentially could be resting players depending on how that shakes out. They're pretty much the only team in the NFL that has, for the most part, sewn with their division. Um, all right, let's move on to the AFC West. Did that hurt to say that? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not fun. <laughs> this type, this time of year is, has been very, in the past 10 years, essentially, been uh, looking forward to the draft. Okay. Uh, moving on to the AFC West, we've got the Chiefs at seven and four, and the Raiders at six and five. This Sunday, we've got the Raiders at the Chiefs. Interesting game that will uh, not necessarily decide the division, the division, but the Chiefs can really distance themselves uh, with the Raiders uh, this week. Should be an interesting game. The Chiefs finish versus the Raiders at the Pats versus the Broncos, who have historically given them some trouble at the Bears, and then versus the Chargers. So kind of a tough stretch. The Raiders are at the Chiefs versus the Titans versus the Jags at the Chargers and at the Broncos. They would have an easier schedule down the stretch, but it's really all about this Sunday. Pat Mahomes fully healthy. Willie, how do you see this division shaking out? Well, they got to play defense, right? One of the weak points of this Kansas City team is they can't stop anybody via run game. I mean, that's what's killing them. I mean, it doesn't matter how many points this offense can put up. They can't If you can't stop anybody, I mean – you you're really you're really putting yourself in a dangerous situation because if you do, and I'm just talking oh, recklessly here, uh, if you do if you're the Chiefs and you do have to see a Baltimore team, it's over early. You know what I mean? So you got to put yourself in a. They really have to start playing better defense. Um, and Patty Mahomes is going to have to stay healthy. But if, when it comes down to it, man, this time of year it's all about defense and running the ball. And right now, you know, the Chiefs can only do one thing right well right now. And so Oakland, uh, they play Oakland, you said, uh, this Sunday. This, this Sunday, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Gruden's going to have his team fired up since they dropped an egg in New York. Um, and, you know, I'm pretty sure Oakland overlooked the Jets, but they're not going to overlook the Chiefs. They're going to be ready to play some football. So, If the Chiefs can get into the dance in January, I don't think that they're going to make enough noise to really uh, be representing the AFC in Miami. But with Patrick Mahomes, you can beat anybody on any given Sunday. Yeah, that's a team that and they've be been dangerous. here before, and yeah. they know what disappointment feels like, and they've experienced it. So I, this is one of those teams where I, you know, I mentioned earlier momentum. If this team starts getting momentum, guys start getting healthy, they kind of find out their identity somewhere on that defensive line, 
and they really can kind of play some solid football, or at least, or at least bend don't break football. You know, you can, you know, they can, they can, they can shock the world. They could pop up on some people. Just don't line up in the neutral zone, Kansas City. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the NFC. The NFC least, the Dallas Cowboys, coming off a hard-fought loss at New England, six and five. Uh, the Eagles right behind them at five and six. Both teams struggling to the finish line. Dallas is going to host on Thanksgiving as they always do. They're going to be playing the Bills, as we'd mentioned. Then they're at Chicago versus the Rams, at the Eagles, and then versus the Redskins. They're four and zero in the division, which is very helpful. Uh, the Eagles right now are one and one in the division. They uh, finished with a big NFC East slate to finish, uh, but they have a pretty easy schedule. They're at Miami versus the Giants, at the Redskins versus the Cowboys, and then at the Giants. Do you really think the Eagles can run the table? Can the Eagles run the tables? Yeah. I, I mean, the question is, do you believe they can run the table? Because what Carson Wentz showed us uh, yesterday doesn't look like it. Their schedule suggests that they will run the table. But yeah, but what we've seen on the field, what we've seen me. on the field, doesn't. It gives me no confidence that they will. Yeah, but I think when people start talking about schedule, like, once again, you can't sleep on anybody this time of year, right? So you're talking about December 1st, they got Miami, right? Mm-hmm. Matt, you think Ryan Fitzpatrick at age 37 gives a shit about the Eagles? He he may sneak up on you and win a fucking game just because he feels like being Fitzmagic today. So you can't sleep on Miami, even though they, they're stinking it up. Uh, the Giants still have, you know, they're still coming along. You if you're If you're a Giants organization... You want to see Daniel Jones finish on a high note to kind of propel you for next season. Um, they're going to draft well. There's a chance they may end up getting Chase Young. You don't know uh, coming out of Ohio State. You look at Washington, who just won, who actually got to beat the Detroit Lions. So, for if you're if you're Haskins and you're the Redskins organization, you want to see them compete, especially against the division rival uh, against against the Philadelphia Eagles. You got Dallas, and then you got New York. So, I'm looking at this Eagles team. They have to play. They have to play football, and they got to kind of get some blood in their mouth, and they got to get hunger, and they got to do it because they're known for getting after the quarterback. But you talk about Nelson Aguilar and that that drop pass. I mean, imagine he catches that pass. I know you you're you're a little lighter on him. This is a different story. We're talking about the Eagles in a different light. If he catches that ball, mm-hmm. so I don't know. I don't know how to call. I don't know. Eagles are up in the air with me. I'm, I don't know how to take them. I don't know how to perceive them. I just know Carson Wentz. He has to play a lot better. And they need him to play a lot better. To be clear, I'm not high on Nelson Aguilar. He's a. I did a, a project over the summer where I, I signed up for a scouting academy, the scouting academy, yeah. and, and he was actually Nelson Aguilar was one of the players that I scouted. Okay. I came away thoroughly unimpressed with his game. That being said, I'm just saying that that. What was the most the impressive thing you you saw on the tape? I mean, he has good straight line speed, and that's it. Are you calling him a one trick pony? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know he's bad. Okay. Yeah, I mean he's no. Usually, so you're not surprised he, he dropped that ball that big. No, ball. he doesn't have good hands. Okay. Uh, as as he's shown throughout his career, but I, giving him the benefit of the doubt, that catch, potential catch against New England was a very difficult catch. Fran mentioned it yesterday in the running. There, he said he name, doesn't know how to track the ball, but you you can name at least six receivers who can catch that ball. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I give you on his team. Yeah, oh yeah, Robbie, more than Robbie Anderson catches that ball. Maybe I'm just saying, <laughs> Robbie Anderson catching that ball. Um. The Dallas Cowboys. Jerry Jones made some comments saying that special teams was a reflection of coaching. Kind of a dig at Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is his guy. Jason Garrett has been groomed for this position for quite a while, but the Dallas Cowboys have nothing to show for it. Mm -hmm. Is Jason Garrett on the hot seat? Obviously. I mean, when you have Jerry come out at the end of the game and say, hey, I'm frustrated when it comes down to the fundamentals of football. We got dominated via coaching, via playing. Um, Jerry's... Listen, we had uh, – who was on here talking about – oh, yeah, we had Chris Candy on here. Mm-hmm. And and he gave us a little insight on how Jerry Jones views the Cowboys. They are the show. They are the greatest show Broadway. in the NFL. Yep. So when you go against another juggernaut, a, a Super Bowl outfit like the Patriots, that's your measuring stick. And when you get dominated via coaching, uh, uh, especially if you go – if you're watching how the Patriots handle their bi- uh, business and bad weather – um, they look like the Cowboys look like they shouldn't have been on the field, and they were health. They were fairly healthy for that game, so Jerry has to say, you know what? We didn't look good. We didn't look good against the Patriots. It's one thing if they lose by field goals, right? Or if they lose by one, they got beat up. Dak didn't look great. Dak had sleeves and gloves and all this shit on, and Tom Brady had nothing. Tom Brady was just being Tom Brady, dropping dimes, making it work. 
So this is what Jerry's looking at. He goes, I, you want me to give Dak all this money? And this is how he's going to perform? The, uh, by you, I got a 42-year-old, 41-year-old quarterback fucking just slinging it. What is, you know what I mean? How, how do you want Jerry to have faith in Jason Garrett and, and the organization when that's the type of product you put on the field? You want, it, you want to pay Dak. We lose to the Pats. We don't just lose. We look like we're not even the same class. And it was on big time. It was on 4 o'clock football. So it's Jerry's not happy. The product isn't good. It doesn't look like Broadway to Jerry. So Jerry's just calling it how he sees it. If you're a Cowboys fan, are you excited with Dak Prescott as your quarterback? And do you want to pay him? For me, I wouldn't pay Dak. You let, you let him walk? Yeah. I think you got to go get a young quarterback. I think somehow, some way, you got to get yourself a quarterback that can really get you over the hump. Because Dak is serviceable. He's solid. He's not a bad quarterback. I'm not saying Dak is shit, but... I don't think he's winning you a Super Bowl no time soon. And that's why Jerry's still in the game, because he wants to hold another Lombardi. This has been a hot topic throughout the office. Uh, do you think Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz? Do I think Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz? Um, currently, I do. Mm. Only because I feel like Dak hasn't suffered the injuries that Carson has. I think Carson is in transition. I think Dak has been able to show us, especially during the, the front front half of the season, um, he played like a big-time quarterback. He's, the numbers were yeah. there. He was able to win some games uh, with his arm and his feet. Um, the locker room still seems to believe in him. Um, but I think his team is getting older, and I think his defense hasn't really lived up to the, some of the you know transactions they've made uh, as far as acquiring guys. Um, for Christ's sake, Jason Witten is back. Yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> like so, he he has a he he has a security blanket in Jason Witten. Um, Amari Cooper has been okay; he's been spotty, but for the most part, okay. Um, they just need to get faster. They need to get faster on offense. And when you look at you, we we were just talking about the Chiefs. The Chiefs are fast on paper. I mean, oh, they're yeah. fast, fast outfit. track team. Yeah, for Dak to be successful, he's going to have to be there. I mean, he has the arm strength to get the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. But he's gonna have to change his game where he just get the ball into a playmaker's hand and let that guy work for him. They don't have that, so Dallas has to get faster. Zeke is still being Zeke. Zeke's playing at a high level, but until they get some burners or some guys that can really take a slant and go, instead of worrying about Dak sitting in the pocket, you know, Mari getting open or Jason, you know, kind of eating eating up a seam, um, they just have to get faster. But I don't think that's Dak's problem. But overall, I do feel like Dak is the better quarterback. Some of the hubbub on Twitter yesterday after the Jerry Jones comment was that if Jerry, if Jason Garrett would be fired, that the Giants potentially would be interested in Jason Garrett. Yeah. As a former Giants fan, as a young young man, mm-hmm. how excited would you be over Jason Garrett coming in to take over that ship? I don't give a shit, honestly. Um, I, I think for Giants fans, they want somebody that can groom Daniel Jones. Right. That's that's going to be the main headline and. What do you do as far as building weapons around him? What what weapons are you going to start acquiring for Daniel Jones? And what does this all? How does this offensive line get better? Because Nate Shoulder is a problem. I don't care what nobody says; he's a big time problem. So you're going to have to go get yourself a left tackle, especially if you want Daniel Jones to be your quarterback for the next ten years. Um, but I think if I'm the Mirrors, I want to see how Jason Garrett finishes out the season. I want to see how he takes this team and does this team kind of go down and fire, or they kind of you know, do they, they, they answer some of the spells or some of the things that's really hurting is the Cowboys team. So uh, if I'm the Mariners, I think there's a couple good quarterback coaches that are out there that you may want to look at. Um, you know, for me, I, I wouldn't, you know, I, I, I know you may laugh at this, but I'll, I'll like take a look at uh, Harold Goodwin uh, for, with the Bucks. I think Harold's been in the, in the system for a long time. He's been on the BA. He knows what it, he's been uh, under some good. He's been on some teams like the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's uh he's now with the Bucks. Um I, I, I like what uh who you call it I know this may sound weird, but Lincoln Riley, mm-hmm. uh what happens with him, you sure. know. So there's there's some names floating around there, but I, I wouldn't I'll be I, I don't think Jason Garrett is is the guy. I think he's just one of those guys. Wrapping up the NFC East yesterday, the Redskins pulled an upset of the Detroit Lions. That happened. Uh the last play of the game, victory formation and kneel down. Dwayne Haskins, starting quarterback, nowhere to be found. He was taking a selfie with a fan in the first row. Case Keenum had to go and take the snap, take the knee. Has something like this in your career no. ever happened? What would you do if you were 
keep in mind he's the first round pick, first round quarterback. He's, you know, whether however many backers in the organization he has, he is the franchise quarterback for them moving forward. If you're his teammate, Dwayne Haskins teammate, what do you tell him? Uh, act like you've been there before. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, what are we doing? Finish the game. You That selfie can happen five times over once everybody's shaking hands and hugging each other on the field. You doing that just shows me that your head wasn't in the game. And I'm in the valley. He's excited. He won the game. They beat the Lions. It was a team win, if you will. Uh, but that's that's just that's just dumb. And this is that's how you know when storylines like that, you know, come out. That's why people don't take the Redskins serious. Yeah. So it, it was definitely a tough look. He said something along the lines of "I'll be better next time," something like that. But he didn't really uh, over the yeah, top I mean, apologize for it and call it inexcusable. Up. Yeah, right. he just has to be better and understand that you know you will always and forever be watched. And so now, you know. The last thing you want your head coach to be like, oh, we got a victory formation. Where's where's my quarterback? Right. Usually it's, you know, because usually when we did victory formation, it would be our running back and Troy Polamalu. Because it's usually the two fastest guys on, yeah. on, on a team that uh, are on a victory formation with you. Uh, so for that to happen, it's just dumb. In the Valley, he's a rookie, and you kind of just chalk it up to that. But that can never happen again. So. Um, let's move on to the NFC North where it is very cold and it is officially ugly sweater season sweater and, Bar- weather. and Barstool Sports wants to help you look your best at your holiday parties this year. Over 30 new ugly sweaters to choose from and all of our classic bestsellers are back. Go to store.barstoolsports.com to get yours today and have it in time for your holiday parties. Ugly sweaters here. Big deal. Very fashionable. Lots of different choices uh, in the store. Uh, can't we, go wrong. We got to get a surf and turf uh, Christmas sweater out there. Got to get one out yeah. there. Um, but, yeah, check out store.barstoolsports.com. Get all your all your sweaters. Look good for your holiday parties. Uh, it is the season. It is the season. Uh, NFC North, we got the Packers coming off a drubbing last night. Uh, are tied with the Minnesota Vikings, both teams 8-3. and three. Let's, Here's how they finish out. Packers are at the Giants versus the Redskins versus the Bears at the Vikings, at the Lions. For the most part, a pretty easy schedule. The Vikings are at Seattle versus the Lions, at the Chargers versus the Packers, um, and then at the uh, Bears. Uh, Willie, how do you see this division finishing off? Uh, It's tough, right? Because you you talk about, you know, Valley, you look at the Giants, you say win. You look at Washington, win. Chicago, who knows what happens to them. But considering Chicago's a division rival, they're going to step up and play. Uh, Mitch played better yesterday. Allen Robinson, who I called as a fantasy player, had a, had a game yesterday. Uh, the defense is, you know, they're in the middle of the row right now. They're trying to figure it out. But Minnesota's going to be the team, right? Minnesota's going to be the team. They really have to knuckle up and, and, and get a win out of. Can they do it? Who knows? Who knows where what position Minnesota is actually in at that time? Because they're sitting at 8-3 and three currently. Yep. Uh, so, you know, they may be hungry for a win uh, come towards the Because uh, they're playing them December 23rd. So that's usually right before Christmas. So the place is going to be rocking. You know, please, people are going to be on fire. Santa may be fucking drunk. So it's going to be a wild time. Uh, and then you got Detroit, another division game. So they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to stay knuckled up. But you know, this time of year, we talk about injuries and what does it mean. You know, you want to see your starters start to get healthy around this time. And when they have dog fight dog fights like this ahead, you know, you worry about you know you talk about Bakhtiari, you know he and Beluga, you know Beluga Beluga's. Uh, suffered an injury yesterday and turned out he was going to be okay. But you need those two pillars to be ready to go from playoff time because that's what makes Aaron Rodgers go. And when he has protection, um, he can really he can really light it up. No no shocker there. So uh, I think it's about them taking care of business, not sleeping on a team like the Giants, not sleeping on a team uh, like Chicago, and really finishing out strong against Minnesota and Detroit. I think tonight's game, which will be – the result will be over by the time this comes out, but – uh, the Ravens at the Rams is a very big game because assuming the Ravens take care of business, the Vikings are going to have a two-game lead for the sixth spot. Uh, it's going to be very tough based on their uh, just volume of wins uh, and scheduled on the stretch to imagine them not making the playoffs. I think for the most part, the NFC is sewn up, and that's why we're going to talk about uh, the NFC South. Bucks, I love them. They're out of it. I mean, they're 4-7. They're and seven. They've been out of it for a little bit. This is the one division where the Saints are 9-2. and two. I mean, they have this thing wrapped up. They're at the Falcons versus the Niners versus the Colts, at the Titans, at the Panthers. They're not going over. They're going to win at least one of those games. 
I'll be the first to crown the 2019 New Orleans Saints as the division winners. Okay. Um, very nicely done. Very impressive runner, Teddy Bridgewater, who saved their season. Yeah, I hope <laughs> I, I hope we don't pay him. Um, he's a nice quarterback. You um, don't like Teddy? He's a nice quarterback. I don't want to build around Teddy Bridgewater. So you don't want Teddy Bridgewater to be a Buccaneer? No, I don't. Okay. I hope that doesn't come back to bite me. Um <laughs> We'll see. I mean, there's not really much to say in the division. The 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 Saints took care of the Panthers uh, yesterday because Joey Sly missed several kicks. He missed two extra points. They went for two once uh, because they missed one of the extra points. Didn't get it. And then he missed a 28-yard field goal to go ahead with uh, under two minutes to go. Tough way to lose a game. That's something we haven't talked about a lot this year was how bad field goal kicking has been this year. Across the league, it's been some games blown. There's been some games that shouldn't have even been as close as they were because people can't put it through the uprights. It's not a new rule anymore, but do you like the extra point being moved back from a, uh, whatever it was, a 19 It seems, yard it, it to, seems a, to, to have made a difference. I mean, do I don't you like that. That was like a player. You score a touchdown. I mean, I was always a guy protecting. I just had to just shoot low and, and stand them up. So I never really cared. But I I, I don't know. It'll be it'll be good to get some uh, kickers insight on it. But I, I feel I'm like sure every, kickers hate it. I mean, it's harder. Well, but every Sunday, like for Christ's sake, I was watching the Pats game and Nick Folk missed one. And it wasn't even that far. It was, it, but it's not. I can understand guys missing like a 55 yarder. Or, I mean, guys are missing like 30, 30 yarders. And, and like, you know, just. Just like basic things that, as a professional kicker, you should just drill. You know what I mean? Like, I expect Kobe to always hit a jump shot. I don't expect him to always hit like a half court shot. I mean, the greatest of all time, Justin Tucker misses his first extra point this year. Right. So it's just like, what did, what's going on with our kickers? Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to the powerhouse division, the NFC West, saving the yeah. best for last. The 49ers, holy cow, they are a wagon. They're 10-1 without D Ford last night, just dismantling the Packers, who are a very good team in their own right. Uh, this week, they're traveling to Baltimore in what could potentially be a Super Bowl preview. Then they're going to New Orleans and then hosting the Falcons, the Rams, and then visiting Seattle in what could be the game of the year to decide the division. 49ers are 10-1. The Seahawks, a very strong five seed at nine and two finish versus Minnesota at the Rams at the Panthers versus the Cardinals. And then again, home week 17 against the 49ers, a game that could potentially decide the division. The Seahawks are three and oh in the division have beaten the 49ers. Willie, how do you see this division shaking out? And do the Rams at six and four have any shot to make the playoffs? Um, I think every team has a shot. I mean, I think when you look at the, the demise of what the Rams are going through is the fact that Jared Goff hasn't been that guy for them, right? And you talk about them making the next, making the leap. Um, Todd Gurley, you know, what happened to him? You talk about Aaron Donald's probably the only bright side of this team. They just need more production. They haven't been able to get it. So uh, do the Rams make it or how do they finish out? I think it's too early to uh, tell. I think week 13, I think you make this, I think it's a better conversation to have week 15. Um, So the Rams, the Rams are just on, for me, they're on the fence. I just don't know how to, I don't know how to take it. I don't know how to really, because I think Sean McVay uh, was challenged a lot this year from a coaching standpoint. You know, why, how does Jerick have the year he had last year to where now he's like, you're thinking about sitting this guy down. Um, Well, I don't know about the, Thinking about sitting him down, but at the, at the end of the day, he is a quarterback that is very good when everything around him is very good. So if he has protection, he can put that, the ball. But you on, say that for any quarterback, he's at a different level. I think he has he's a guy a big quarterback that can stand in there and deliver the mail right in the pocket, uh, or sorry, right in stride to receivers. He's uncanny accuracy when he's protected. When he's not protected, and we saw this his rookie year under Jeff Fisher. He doesn't have these things to just make it happen uh, and kind of put things together without as much help. Um, he is a very interesting quarterback. I do very much like Jared Goff, who is a stoolie. Um, shout out Jared Goff. If not you're surprised listening. by that. Um, Most good quarterbacks are stoolies. <laughs> uh, but I do not see the Rams making a play for the playoffs here. The the game tonight, if they can somehow upset the Ravens, uh, they might be able to sneak in. But Minnesota two game having a two-game lead uh, on them is going to be a tough 
a tough task for them to overcome. I mean, if you look at them, they lost to you, Stephen Che, uh, September 29th, right? They Hell lost yeah. to the Bucks, right? Yep. They also lost to Seattle, no shocker there. They lost to the, they lost to the Niners on October 13th. Uh, and they've been, they've beaten Atlanta. They've beaten Cincinnati. Uh, they lost to Pittsburgh coming off a bye, which is tough for them. They got beat up that game. Uh, they beat Chicago. And now they have the Ravens tonight. Yeah. I mean, they go, they're about to take another L. I think so. Yeah, yeah. That, that's going to happen. Wait and then up. they got the cards December 1st, the, uh, Sunday, coming up. as a 4 o'clock game. They may take another L. Sneak. They may take your sneak. The Cardinals hit. are a frisky team. Right. The Cardinals can and then they, But look, to your point, it gets, it gets worse because now Seattle's not going to let them go. Dallas depends on what Dak Prescott, which one shows up. And then you have the Niners again, which, and then you have the cards again. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I don't know how the, I don't know, I don't know how to call it with these, with this one. Yeah, they're 0 2 in the division so far. So a tough, uh, tough hill to climb. The Rams, I just, I don't see it for them. Uh, a Super Bowl hangover, I guess you could say. The Bucks put up 55 on them. Yeah. Uh, and Darius Williams won't play for them tonight. For the Rams? Rams won't play. Okay. Um, but, yeah, the the Seahawks and the Niners, how do you see this division shaking out between those two powerhouse teams? Well, listen, the Niners are going to be in cruise control. Uh, I like I like the way – I think the Niners are fine. Niners are going to do what the Niners do. They've been doing it. Um, unless something catastrophic happens where Jimmy G suffers another knee injury. But I think Kyle Shanahan um, – he has his team right where they need to be. I think they're hungry. They're playing fast. They look great on film. Um, Jimmy G's making all the right plays. The fact that George Kittle um, is dealing with it, you know, he's dealing with an ankle and he was so dominant uh, yep. last night. This team's fine. Seattle's one of these teams, right, where Russell's going to carry them because he's been here before. He knows what to do. I think Pete Carroll's going to have this ball club fl- flying off the handles because, like I mentioned, when you have a quarterback like Russ, who understands the temperature of this time of year, he's not going to make the bad play. You know, he's always going to keep them in contention. He's always going to make them competitive. Now, can they play the defense they need to play? Now, can they, from a Seahawk, can they go back to being – and it would be ridiculous for me, for me to say they're going to be the Legion of Boom. Um, but getting Giovanni, getting Clowney back is going to be huge. He's going to have to come back and make an impact. Uh, and right now, I just – you put it all on Russell's shoulders. you got to get us to the finish line. Can you foresee any team with the 49ers defense going into Levi Stadium in San Francisco and winning in January? What team? Can you see any team? Oh, yeah. I can see. um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see the fucking Packers. The Packers after they just got dismantled there? Yeah, regular season playoffs. uh, Regular season and playoff football is two different things. Okay. Yeah, I, I think if anybody thinks that is ridiculous, haven't watched enough football. I think if you talk about Aaron Rodgers and his record alone, come playoff time, that's one man you don't want to see because he can he can make it, he can put on a cape and win a game. There's one team that I think I don't think New Orleans is going to really travel to uh, San Francisco in in January. If it comes, but see, down I don't to that. I don't see the Saints going to if they had to. Well, they most likely will going to Levi and being dominant. Yeah, Saints don't travel well at all. Agreed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Saints, the Forty ers are at the Saints uh, in two weeks, and that's going to be a, a huge game to depend uh, uh, to hope potentially decide playoff seating and you know right. who's going to who's going to get home field if they were to play each other. I would love to see uh, either a divisional round or NFC Championship game Seahawks at. Uh, at 49ers or the other way around if, if it worked out that yeah, way. But I think both of those teams are the heavy hitters. What's interesting to me with those two teams is they're built differently than the rest of the NFL. The rest of the NFL is, okay, let's air it out. Let's pass it you know, 45, 50 times a game, whereas those teams are zagging and they're running the ball. They're built around you know Chris Carson, Rashad Penny. Uh, the, the 49ers just like run the ball down your throat and then you know have kind of an east-west offense mm-hmm. built off play action. I love what both of those teams are doing in, in a league that is so pass-heavy. They are run and defense, uh, and that's kind of what wins in January. So I would look for the representor of the NFC in Miami to come out of the NFC West. Uh, yeah. Don't sleep in a pack, though. Don't sleep on Green Bay. I won't. I just feel like you are a little bit, though. I am. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they got dropped last night. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that that's that's the whole NFL stand is, Willie, what, what's something that you've seen, uh, I guess, in the first half of the year, more, I guess more than the first half, or what is, what's something you've seen this season that's kind of impressed you that you didn't really expect? 
Uh, obviously, Baltimore. I never saw that. Uh, I never saw Lamar Jackson making the, the second year leap uh, and really coming out and playing as well as he played. has been playing. I know he was fast, but I didn't think he would really tighten up his accuracy and be more efficient in that in that regard. I didn't expect Buffalo. Buffalo would be fucking sitting at eight and three, kind of the NFL's boogeyman that they just can come in. Because, I mean, Valid, they've been great at home, but they've been able to win on the road, too. And, sure, I got to question their strength of their schedule, uh, but they're still 8-3. and three. you got to respect it. Um, I didn't expect – man, I, I honestly didn't expect the – I honestly didn't expect the Saints to kind of really play as well as they did, as they did with Teddy Bridgewater. Um, Teddy, I understand, yeah. Teddy shredded his knee, man. Yeah. Teddy also was a Jet. Um, Teddy landed in New Orleans and was like, "All right, we're just going to keep you here just in case." And when the just in case happened, he was damn good. I was at the Hall of Fame. Uh, Marcus Colson got inducted to the Saints Hall of Fame, and they beat. They were beating the Cardinals. This was Drew game, Drew Brees' game back after coming off the thumb injury, and I'm sitting there. People were chanting Teddy, 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 like not whispering it. I mean, the place is rocking. Chan for Teddy Bridgewater. So in a five-game span, not only was he able to ca- carry that ball club, but now get the fan base on his side. And New Orleans has one of the best fan bases in all of mm-hmm. football. People are okay with Drew Brees walking out the door and handing Teddy Bridgewater the football and saying, all right, let's keep, let's keep rolling. Which you don't – that's a narrative you don't – like we, we forget that Eli had to turn over the keys to Daniel uh, Jones, and people was like, holy shit, this kid from Duke, who is he, what is he? He scrambles for 15 yards, and all of New York is now Daniel Jones fans. <laughs> you know what I mean? That really happened this year. So the fact that Teddy Bridgewater, could, could, if you talk about the resume of Drew Brees in a Saints helmet, is Hall of Fame status. Now, he was only out five games, and people already was like, all right, Teddy, you drive. We're, we're, we're down with you. Said something, to me at least. Um, and that normally doesn't happen. Usually, when a, a, your your number one guy who's brought you a Super Bowl, who has you know most of your history besides Archie Manning is half Drew Brees, now you're ready to say, "Hey, Teddy, you take over." It, I mean, it speaks volume. So I don't know what happens, but Teddy is they fucks with Teddy down in, in New Orleans. Heavy man. Let's say that the Saints do not win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater's contract is up. Do you decide to stick around in New Orleans again? For less money, you got, I believe, $7 million a year this year for one year. Do you decide to stick around knowing you're just waiting in the wings for Drew Brees and Drew Brees is not retiring this offseason? Um, yes, because there's a chance that Drew gets hurt. There's a chance that if the Saints don't play well, they'd be like, all right, Drew, no matter what you do, you're out of here. You're still playing with the number one receiver in football in Michael Thomas. You're still playing with Alvin Kamara. Uh, you're still playing with an offensive line that's playing at a high level. You're still playing with a defense that's young and hungry and getting better. Um, the fact that you don't hear Eli Apple's name no more because he's been pretty he's been pr- pretty sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, Demario Davis, who I played with in the Jets, people thought he was a uh, he was he he probably wouldn't even be in the league. Mm-hmm. That guy's leading that defense, and he's, they consider him a captain. Hey, well, he is a captain. So the culture in New Orleans is way better right now, unless you end up on a team like the Steelers or Pats or San Francisco, unless you're, unless you're going to another playoff team, which most playoff teams have another, have their starting quarterback. I don't see why, why you wouldn't want to go anywhere else. You just sit and sit on the bench, stay healthy, make your money and you're going to be called upon and you're going to be in the playoffs every year. Yeah. Well, Teddy's his draft class of 2014. So he's 27 years old. So he, he has three years to kind of wait. Like I, I, but I do say this, if I'm Teddy, I'm going to the front office going, what's the deal? Do you plan on having me sitting around here for the next four years? Because if, if that's the case, then I need to go. Now, if you're saying, well, we'll, we'll have a, the, a discussion with Drew at the end of the season and see what, what his future plans are, I need to be a part of that conversation because there needs to be some transparency. Um, because Teddy, you know, he could go to a team like Atlanta and play well because Julio's there, um, and they, they can build around that. Or he can land on a team like Tennessee – and play with a running back and offensive line and a culture that could protect them. So um, for me, I, I, I want Teddy. I know New Orleans is, is itchy for Teddy, and they're behind him. So it, it all depends how, how they finish this year. If you are Mickey Loomis, who's the GM of the Saints, after 2020, they can move on no dead money. So if you're Teddy Bridgewater, Hang you're around. taking, you're taking yeah. like a okay. – where, where else should we go? 
Where is she going to go where you're going to have that type of setup? Yeah, Mike, once again, Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, Sean Payton is not going anywhere. You have a defense that's getting better by the year. So Drew plays one more year. He goes. He has his Kobe Bryant tour. You send him out the door. You throw him the keys to the Porsche and let him drive it. Fun fact. Uh, and Dominican Sue has the same amount of touchdowns this year as Alvin Kamara. <laughs> they both have two. Suck at fantasy owners. Um, the thing that's been surprising for me this year is to just see the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they came into Tampa week one. I watched the all 22. I watched every snap. I was thoroughly unimpressed with them. I thought they were bad. Well, Jimmy G stunk it up. Jimmy G was not good that he game. God awful. Uh, Jameis was a lot worse, obviously, for yeah, anyone that, that's, that's going to rebuttal that. Um, but I was very unimpressed with the 49ers. The 49ers, I believe, didn't have a single interception the year before in their secondary. Yeah. Um, and this, and, you know, they opened and they had three picks of Jameis. Uh, so they obviously started the year strong, but you know, as a whole, their team was not impressive to me. Watching them last night, I came away thoroughly impressed uh, with their team and just everything they can do. They're such a balanced team, playing good complementary football. The other thing that surprised me, again, we we briefly touched on it, is the Titans. Uh, they're a team that I left for dead this year. I didn't think Mariota was the answer. I mean, he he got benched, but Ryan Tannehill has been a Terrific addition if we're talking about backup quarterbacks with Teddy Bridgewater. Ryan Tannehill has to be in that conversation. He has won three in a row uh, with the Titans. They're playing good complementary football, and they have the formula as far as running game, good defense, creating turnovers that can make some noise and win in January. Now, do I think Ryan Tannehill is going to win some playoff games? Not necessarily, but I'm just saying that he they have the formula to do it based on how they're playing. The keys to playoff football is uh, walking in as healthy as you can and winning situational football. Yeah, and that's the bottom line. If you can, die, you can, that's why the Pats always make it because they win at situational football. They know when they know when to make the right plays. They don't beat themselves, and they're efficient, mm-hmm. and they play really, really, really good special teams. Yeah, and hand up, I've said it. I was completely wrong on Lamar Jackson. Uh, I remember. Uh, in August, you and Bill Polian, <laughs> yeah, uh, reading an article in August uh, for Fantasy Football saying, "Can Lamar Jackson be this year's Patrick Mahomes?" And I audibly laughed out loud and was like, "What a stupid take!" You know, this guy's just trying to get clicks. Horrendous take. I watched the Ravens played the Bucks last year. I watched the All Twenty Two on that game. Lamar Jackson was very bad. I mean, it was a rainy game, but like. I even highlighted a play where he uh, he had a wheel route, I think, to a tight end who couldn't have been more wide open. He underthrew him by like eight yards, like a throw that I'm not even kidding. I could have made. So what do you think? What do you think as a guy who watches a lot of NFL film, who knows football, who watches a lot of guys from around the league? What do you think turned the lights on for Lamar Jackson? He just it's not anything that's on. He just has a different mentality. He talked about he's talked about in interviews how uh, when they uh, when they beat the Chargers uh, or sorry, when they yeah, when the Ravens beat the Chargers in the regular season last Mm. year, and then they played in the playoffs and you saw the first half of that game. Lamar Jackson couldn't do anything in the second half. They got some, you know, uh, they were basically playing against a prevent defense all time. He had a little bit of success, but, you know, people at the time were clamoring for maybe put in Joe Flacco and see what he can do. Uh, So just seeing him last year, as far as his accuracy and just his mechanics were poor Uh, this year, you know, something changed where he said he's watched that chargers game many, many times and thinks about it every day and how he just never wants to get back there. It's that type of mentality that's the neck up that you can't quantify. So he has that. He has the stuff that the greats have. You know, you talk about the Kobe's and those and the MJ's and those type of guys. He has that mentality. So I think that's something that you can't necessarily see on film that you would have hoped you'd have gotten some type of uh, glint of in the, you know, pre-draft interviews and meeting with the teams and that type of thing. But that's something where, uh, I did not see that, and that is, I think, with everybody, is the biggest surprise of the, of the NFL season so far. Yeah, I, I want. And he see, should be the MVP. What scares me about uh, what scares me about Lamar Jackson is if if he's forced and it could happen, especially if he you know if he sees the Pats, he's going to be forced to win a game on his arm with his right, arm. and that's what happened in the playoffs last year against the Chargers, right? And so. Um, can can that come back to haunt him? Because you start seeing ghosts when you feel like, oh no, I'm in a scenario again. Now I got to be, I got to be Brady esque. That's not who he is. 
well, credit to GM Eric DaCosta because they have built up the team around him and they're not relying on Gus the Bus Edwards or whoever yeah. that is uh, to kind of carry the mail for them. You know, they have Mark Ingram. Uh, they drafted uh, Justice uh, Justice Hill out of Oklahoma State. Um, you know, Gus Edwards still getting a few carries here and there, but, you know, they have guys that can run the football and an offense or basically, you know, Greg Roman led offense that's catered around Lamar, what Lamar Jackson does very well. And that's why John Harbaugh is such a great coach. Cause he molds his uh, talent to his players. Yep. Not every coach does that shockingly. Um, but this is going to be a very fun team to watch. This is exactly what happened last year uh, in the playoffs when, you know, they beat the Chargers in the regular season and then the Chargers basically just kept him in the pocket and made him, uh, be a passer he's a 66 percent completion percentage passer this year uh, which is way up from last year he is going to you know i think i don't think there's any doubt that teams are going to force him to do in the playoffs but this year i actually think he can get the job done mm. so it should be interesting going into january but uh this has been a fun episode a very different episode for us um at the surf and turf podcast no interview this week but we do have a very fun interview coming next week we got philadelphia legend Brian Westbrook yeah, man. in a very fun interview. We talked everything. We talked McNabb. I wish we would have had more time with him, too. I wish we would have had more time too with him, too. Um, maybe he's a guy later on down the road. We can get back. We kind of uh, had to gloss over his first team all-pro season in 2007, which is uh, uh, quite a year to remember. We had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage. Uh, but a really fun interview we're going to come back with next week. Obviously, this week we're releasing early due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Um so we will be back on our Thursday bullshit next week. We look forward to seeing you guys then. Yeah. Happy but Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving for Super Bowl champion Willie Cologne. See you next time. I am Stephen Che. Have a great holiday.